This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot. I'm here with my sister, Heather. Um, how are you doing, Heather? I'm good, but I have a cold, so I feel like I sound funny. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure... Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the brief talk we had before recording, you sounded fine. So I think... Uh, I Do think I? Oh, good. in my head, I sound... I'm like, oh, wow. It's just. And then I talked to somebody <laughs> this morning, and they're like, I wouldn't have known you had a cold. I was like, it's all I can hear at this point. So okay. <laughs> it's all in my head, quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for updates, we've got a few uh, little things. Uh, um, the one I wanted to talk about was uh, the Stack Overflow podcast. There was a, an episode. I'm kind of far into the backlog. This is like four or five episodes back. But they talked okay. about the, the many strengths of neurodivergence, which I thought okay. was pretty interesting. It was like... I'm with you. Um so a lot of people in tech are somewhere on this spectrum, I, I would say, like the, there's so a lot of the guests they had all had stories about this, which was interesting. And I thought it was it made me think back to our episode when you were talking about House and how uh, the the character in House, Dr. House is like, I would call him somewhat neurodivergent and I was thinking back, like even back to Sherlock Holmes is almost like this character that has this uh, strange ability, like strengths and weaknesses that I would guess, you know, somebody has probably done some research on this or like some looking into this. I would guess it's something like on on the spectrum. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I thought it was interesting Um to hear stories of people in tech talking about their stories of this. Um, because I, I have like had suspicions about myself and about other people I've worked with, you know, like there are yeah. uh, presentations of, uh, yeah, interesting personalities that I would classify prob probably, I, I mean, I'm no psychologist, so I can't say for sure, but um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's not even safe to diagnose yourself. No, no. I, I have tried. I have sort of done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So my thought on this is, <clears throat> is I have sort of my own like story with neurodivergence that we've talked about before. Yeah. And uh, my suspicions of myself too, which are not founded by a doctor's certification in any way. <laughs> but yeah. um, I've taken the screenings. And, and I think like the one thing I keep thinking is that I can't help but feel like it will be perceived as a fault, even if I own it. Right. Like, I am open to talking about it, but in the context of, like, trying to impress somebody or something like that, I still, like, I, you know, you don't want to be seen then as, like, oh, oh, we don't want, like, that's a weakness then, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know if we want to deal with the downsides because like the upsides make you very unique, but the downsides are like, we just don't want to, we yeah. just want to deal with that. So that's why I'm like, sometimes I want to talk about it and sometimes I'm like, uh -uh, it's better not to. Yeah. Well, and even the title, like they called it the many strengths of neurodivergence, but in, in the episode, a lot of it was on the negatives. And I think that's just a, you know, uh, 
something that you'll always get into. Like, there's just no way to frame it. Like, you're always talking about the upsides and the downsides together. Um, and strategies of, like, generally, if you're thinking of coping strategies, uh, you're thinking of the negatives, right? <laughs> like, how, Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, uh, I don't know, like masking or something like that, where you're yeah. putting on a you know, to, to be in public or whatever, like, isn't just sort of like to be yourself, but it's to be kind of putting on a face. Right. Um, and then to sort of like dealing with the exhaustion of that or whatever. But like inherent in that is then you'll have the exhaustion that comes with interacting with other human beings, which is kind of like right. something that we all have to do to some extent. So uh, then it's like that. It's like then we're talking about downsides. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, and to clarify, like why I think Sherlock Holmes is sort of this uh you know i think some stories play it up a lot more than others like the the upsides of like this genius mind of putting things together deduction right like that's really obsessive over minutia sort of <laughs> but then also the mm -hmm. downside of not interacting well with others and not like i think i think there's a good case to be made where there's like he's kind of the the earliest that I could think of archetype of that kind of character that's like got this, uh, these two sides where it's really clearly drawn out, like the upside and the downside. I don't know. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it does. It shows the, um, the clear uh, problems that are come of him having like that kind of the trade off, I guess, yeah. for his genius is yeah. like just, the fact that he's terrible with people and yeah. that he can't, uh, I don't know, maintain good relationships with other people and a, a lot more, I'm sure, than that. But Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to make a mental bookmark of that. I think maybe that'll be something we come back to at some point, like to talk about it in a little more depth. But uh, yeah, that's good. Good to hear your yeah. thoughts on that, too. Um, you yeah. had... Yeah. Did you have a... You had something uh, you wanted to I talk had, about? I had a... It's not that deep. I'll preface it with that. Okay. But I, I was reading a book this week, and it was just kind of came out of nowhere, like Human v. Robot. And that, 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 to me, made me feel good, again, that we're having this podcast, because this kind of thing is everywhere. And the topic we're going to talk about today, we, we kept going back and forth, like, is it technical enough? Is it tech yeah. enough? And then, you know, and, and I feel like we just, just it's... But I guess ultimately, there's almost no place where you can't find this interaction between humans and technology uh, coming to the forefront. Yeah. Um, and I was reading a book, and it was pretty interesting um, <laughs> that it talked about uh, the sort of existential threat that technology poses to creative careers. Right. Um, and in the book, they said that, you know, we never, there's a novel, um, you know, everyone's talking about the you know, certain types of work like manufacturing, but people aren't talking about the artists. So the book, the the main character in the book is a audiobook, a narrator. Okay. Um and uh and so her the you know person she makes the books with or whatever comes in and is like, listen to this. Yeah. And she listens to it and she's like gives some commentary. Well the person's a little bit uh, you know, dry a little bit of this maybe, but like overall a pretty good voice and he tells her it's a robot. Um, right. and then she starts kind of like getting into this existential threat that she's not going to have a career after this. 
And then uh, she says, people won't want this. People want people, the human connection, authentic storytelling. And, and the person says, basically, do they? He says, I don't know. You right. know, it's kind of a kids these days thing. Yeah. Um, do they still have that same desire? Yeah. Um, and that reminded me of what we were talking about last week when it comes to, you know, younger people as they're growing up with interacting with tech, maybe they become much more comfortable um, because maybe you and I will say, yeah, I actually want a human telling me a story like that feels right. Like if a, if a robot wrote a story and narrated it to me, it wouldn't feel real in some ways, but maybe younger right. people, next generation is not going to feel that way. It's going to seem real enough to them because they enjoy it. Yeah. So I'm actually just trying to look up. This is, and I'm afraid that YouTube will autoplay when I when I open this. I don't. <laughs> I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll auto. Oh yeah. So that actually re reminds me of. A recent video I watched by uh, on the YouTube channel Folding Ideas. It's called Contrepreneurs, and it's like, it's. I won't go into detail, but it's it's about this like scam, basically like sort of sort of scam where you like uh, publish books to Amazon and basically like cut out as much of the like basically everything that is worthwhile in a book. You cut all of that out, produce it for the lowest possible value, and uh, publish it to Amazon. Um, and I thought, like, number one, this is terrible, obviously. Like, this is just a scam, like, trying to yeah. put, like, very low-value audiobooks on Amazon. But also, like, that it's a scam that's going to get way easier to do, like, basically, like... So that like the big, the only expenses really in creating an audiobook are writing, like hiring mm -hmm. a ghostwriter to actually write the book, which is ridiculously cheap. And you'd have to watch the video to see how exploitative it, it really is. And then also recording the audiobook, which is, again, like you can do very, very cheaply. Uh, but both of those things are square in the sights of AI, right? Like you could easily get an AI to, from a prompt, just generate a, a book and narrate the book. Um, yeah. Which is scary. Like I, I mean, and I don't know. Well, it just sort of changes um, the nature of, well, because, you know, stories, you're consuming them, you're just getting some enjoyment from them, you're maybe, you know, your brain is trained on it, because it's going to learn something interesting. But then it's like, as long as it's a human creating that for another human, there seems like there's something authentic about it. But right. when it's like AI creating it for a human's kind of like, you just sort of get the sense that you're like, yeah, I don't know, really, really get the sense that you're, I don't know, being a yeah, you're just some pawn in the uh, in a game, right? Sort of. Yeah, it's the pawn. It's <laughs> it's the being like manipulated or something yeah. like that, right? Like there's nothing real about it. Right. Yeah. That is yeah, and and we've yeah, we've talked about that already and I think we probably will talk about it again. Um Yeah. Cuz cuz it yeah, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> uh, no, it, it feels it's, yeah, especially when you don't know it up front, like you start reading something or you start look or you, you know, like see a piece of art or whatever and you don't know that it was created by an AI. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. feel good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It feels like being duped. Yeah. 
For sure. Okay, but anyway, our our main topic we wanted to talk about <laughs> today. Main topic. Yes, <laughs> was uh, ex- an extension like we had mentioned it in the last episode about how tech is affecting our health, uh, and we we kind of touched on this idea of like the productivity culture and how that ties in with our self worth, and uh, I think we both like thought yes, this is there's definitely something there, and we both de- like have experience with this that. You know, there is, uh, you know, maybe it's always been there or maybe you notice it more when you get older and work becomes more a part of your identity. But there's this tendency or, uh, yeah, it's a tendency to identify yourself with your work and with how much you're getting done or producing. Uh, which can be pretty toxic. Uh, I don't know. Did you have any high level thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it only goes back to like, what's the first? Okay, you meet a kid who's like, I don't know, eight years old, say. Yeah. And then you. Um... Uh, mommy, do you know where my blue, where my blue mins are? <laughs> yeah, they're in my backpack, buddy. We shall edit this out. Mommy, I need the teal ones. <laughs> no, it's there in my backpack. Okay, bye. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> He's going to school and he wanted his blue mittens. I'm sorry. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, so the the first question that you would ask a kid, yeah. well, maybe not the first question, maybe you'd ask a kid who's like eight or nine, you would say like, oh, what's your name and what do you like to do? Almost always, you're going to ask that kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. I think it almost starts there. Um, and maybe anyone listening to that, you can keep asking that question if you really want. Yeah. Um, but like I do it too, because you want to see what the kid's sort of thinking of their job, because they, you know, job and identity are intricately linked and i i don't even think that's what we're talking about though so just to add a little bit of flavor to this right it's not necessarily that we're equating job with identity um that we're identified by what we do but i think it's like an obsession with um increasing personal productivity with no end in sight as being um your value that you bring to the world is yeah. the ability that you have to just output more units of X per amount of time. Yeah. Um, and I think that that obsession with personal productivity is a reasonably modern phenomenon right. that roughly would tracks alongside sort of an explosion in technology. Right. And I was also reading this week about how productivity when you think about it relating to systems has by and large given us all this technology we have right now. So, I mean, in, you know, a generation, we went from basically like not having indoor plumbing to cell phones, you know, like right. there's one generation had both of those things, right? So now they're older, they have cell phones when they were younger, they didn't have indoor plumbing. Yeah. So that's, that was uh, Peter Drucker's example of productivity as being a good thing. So productivity in systems and business allowed us to make those huge leaps. Right. Um, but I'm going to keep going here if that's okay. And I yeah. think the one, another article that I read this week that sort of brought this together into a bit more of a, a, a clear theory that I could understand is we have productivity in systems 
But then we apply it to the person. This is Cal Newport's idea because he's a real productivity guru. I'm a big, I'm a yeah. student of his. I'm, you know, a disciple of Cal's, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's out there. Um, you know, because I think it's really clear about the value of the work of like, say, knowledge work right. of doing, you know, not being distilled to a to-do list where you're always responsive to what other people are asking you to do. Um, where you're kind of driving the bus with your own work. You're not just right. sitting around reacting to an overwhelming inbox or other people's priorities. Um, your job is to produce high quality things that no one else has thought about. So then you need time to sit and think. Right. Um, and that kind of work, that deep work is the thing that you really bring a value. Um, but he got in a little bit of heat with productivity as the term, because a lot of people are just straight up burnt out. They're right. just exhausted. And they're tired of this notion of like productivity, that we have to optimize our personal productivity. And yeah. he said basically that he sees a difference between systems and organizations productivity, which has allowed us to make those huge advances. It goes back to Henry Ford and the production line even further probably. Yeah. Where we're optimizing systems. And now we're talking about optimizing people's workflow. So during our daily, you know, tasks we're we're writing bullet journals and we're, you right. know, whatever, like doing certain, you know, we're, um, I have a whole book on it. I, I just bought it. I was like, what an interesting book. And I was like, this book is intended to maximize productivity because that's like, if I could only just maximize my productivity, I'd be so much more valuable, you know? Right. There's another thread in here that I want to pick up on, which is just like trying hard. Like there's kind of not, like, that's a good thing. Like yeah. <laughs> I wanted to add that, like, you know, sometimes like, you're like, oh, we're all burnt out and we're all like so productive, but we're burnt out. I'm like, yeah, but sometimes like, are we always just crushing it? Like, is everybody always burnt out all the time? Like, I want to believe the best in people that they work hard. Right. But sometimes it's good to to dedicate yourself and work hard. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that that it's like it's OK. <laughs> it's kind of OK to, tr to try yeah. and to be efficient. Um you know, you can't just say, oh, I don't want to deal with productivity and just like sit around on the couch. That's a good way to like not make any money. You yeah. know, like, I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. OK, so a couple things like I think that distinction between the productivity of systems and the personal productivity is very important. And like when I read it in your notes, I was like, well, yeah, obviously, like that. that obviously, like, yeah. It's obvious when you hear it, but it's maybe not obvious like it wasn't really to me when I was first thinking about this, like that it actually is really important to think about how, because we do this like to get nerdy into the details of my job, how we work a little bit, like within a team, no one is responsible. Like there's no one person that's a single point of failure, sort of like we have uh, reviews for every bit of code you write and like everyone that reviews is responsible for that. So it's like kind of this mechanism of ensuring that the responsibility is shared among the team, right? And I think those kind of things are direct responses to the the problem of that single point of failure, right? Like if one person is completely indispensable, as much as that's good for your ego or whatever, it's just bad for productivity of a system, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the one piece that I wanted to just say, yes, absolutely. I think that's a great distinction to make. Um, but the other point, um, and I'm 
totally spacing on my uh, oh well <laughs> i i feel like you know there's all this talk about it just seems like a really like you, you know like this uh the, it was one, t- one of the titles of the books like can't even you know right. how millennials or so it, like you know there's definitely this vibe that like i don't know millennials just like yeah can't even yeah <laughs> Uh, you know, and I don't know, I, I think this is probably not a downside to, <sighs> that isn't to say that we shouldn't shirk all efforts to be efficient with our work, yeah. you know, like that's, that's maybe, and I, I think Cal Newport's whole point is probably yeah. his whole career as uh, you know, productivity expert re- re- relies on that because he's giving advice about how to do your work more efficiently and create right. a better outcome, quality product, you know, so to say like, forget to-do lists and yeah. just not do it. Like, I'm not sure that would work either. Oh, I, I remembered my other point. That I was okay, gonna... what, what, yeah. Right. Okay. Go back with it. Uh, no, I think, like, the, the other thing that you, that you pointed out, like, the uh, is, like, I think it's kind of uh, that, like, self-worth of, like, just trying hard is, like, I think there's, like, uh, it's tied back to, like, um like manual labor like when you're in like we're like two generations from the farm right and oh, on a, on a yes. farm on a farm it's high, like that is the most valuable thing is the effort you put in right um yeah and when you so over time you get to knowledge work where effort is not like often there's it's extremely non-linear which is just to say like if you find this certain hack you can maybe increase your productivity by exponentially right that's like this one thing saves you hours a day which saves you like which makes you insanely productive where you just like you don't have that same equation in manual labor and so Mm. Um, I think there's this tendency to either say that like that person that's found this hack to, to, you know, is way more productive or they're like, there's kind of this value in computer programming that laziness is good. Like be lazy, (laughs) right? Which is totally antithetical to the farmer mentality of like, like, because what's behind that is like, stop doing manual tasks like if something is automatable automate it because there's absolutely yeah no don't reason. be a hero yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's like when you're trying to convince somebody to use google maps just yeah. don't no yeah. use a map don't be a hero <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> um so i think there is this tension that's only growing with technology right because th- there is that tension yeah. that, that like if you can automate it or if you can get technology to do the thing for you, don't be a hero, don't do it. But then there's like, so that's a a big step removed from the work hard mentality of our forefathers for whatever. Um, And, but then there's the next step of like, okay, when AI completely takes over what you're doing, where does that leave you? Like all of a sudden that, is there a new ethic for that world uh, that, you know, that will replace these? Uh, like one one is the uh, theory of effort. One is the theory of laziness. Then is there going to be a next one that's the theory of like, 
uh, take care of each other or something, you know, there's gotta be something <laughs> like, like, uh, something's gotta give if our, like if our efforts are, uh, yeah, completely automated out of the picture, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, and I think this comes back to, um, something that I had written down earlier, which was that the, um, our original conception around this was that our productivity equals our self-worth. And I think that there is this, like, I mean, I guess it's sort of like this hustle culture, busy, like it's about the amount of things and tasks you can take on equal your sort of value to the world and right. your sort of standing within it. Yeah. So the more you can, I don't know, you know, the more things you have to do, like if you're like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm I had a thing where somebody sent me an email and they're like, what's your calendar? And it was like asking about something a year from now. I like laughed. I laughed out loud. I was yeah. like, you cannot be serious with this. Like you absolutely cannot. Yeah. And then people were responding like, well, you know, I have this. And I was like, you don't have stuff a year from now. Like you, right? Like that's yeah. nuts. But it's just like a, a source of pride for people to have all of this task list, which, you know, and again with the automation thing, yeah. Like, I don't know where people will be when they don't have that busyness to rely on. Because as much as people are sort of like plagued by it, they need it. Right. It's like a codependency with busyness that we have. We, have, um, we, we hate it, but we, we need it to feel valuable. Right. So I don't really know what happens next when the, all of the things that we need to do in our society to, to, you know, to, to live and have a good life or whatever. Like, what happens when we actually have to have, you know jobs or whatever but what will those jobs be i don't know um right it's <laughs> like a very this is like the kind of the original question i had with human yeah. v robot i was like that that so okay my question and this is going to be way too abstract and probably a big rabbit hole is like do we really need that or is that some kind of crutch that get okay that's like an existential sort of thing, like uh, like an existential threat. Like if if I don't do the like if I'm not a productive person, is that like this existential fear that I am irrelevant or that I will not be remembered or I you know uh, I just like feel like like uh maybe we we only need it because it is like it's much deeper than just uh having a full to-do list <laughs> you know like <laughs> is it something yeah. that so i yeah. think i think i just sort of under understand your question here is is that obsession with productivity and our value is that just a societal value or is that like a personal sort of like ingrained human wired desire right yeah is that what you're yeah, basically, I guess I'm just wondering if like, yeah, without, without that feedback, like, or that, that satisfaction of checking things off your to do list and like, completing tasks and feeling, getting that endorphin rush of being a productive member of society, whatever, whatever that is, like, without that, is there nothing else to life like is that a completely existential thing where it's like this is uh like i don't think it is but but for the people that are stuck in that productivity mindset is that the thing that's giving their life value to them 
I don't, yeah. But what you're describing feels highly transactional to me. Yeah. Like that everything that we sort of give and get is like a, a something like that fits into a, a to-do list. Like we can, we can prove our value from like the amount of output that we give, right. which seems like our, you know, I, I think that the, we would, if we consider this a little bit more, I think that the value is, I mean, I think it's just belonging, right. <laughs> being part of something, having relationships and being seen by others. Um, I think that that is actually has more potential to validate your existence than being productive ever would. Right. But that's a guess. Yeah. And well, OK. And another uh, thing that may be related and maybe uh, like the previous generation or or even current generation, some people put their value in in like the consumerism type thing, like the things that you have and the things that you um, like possessions that 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 is more uh, foundational for the, who, who they feel like they are than what they're doing. Right. Um, and maybe they're related, maybe they're separate, but like, I'm, I'm curious about these. I, I think it, maybe it's just a philosophical question. Like how do we find value in the world? Um, and I, I think definitely like personal productivity is one that's on the rise. Like, like that's how people find value, personal value in the world. So maybe, maybe I'm just summarizing, I'm preemptively summarizing, trying to summarize. Well, and I, I guess you have to sort of ask, that, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> Preemptive or not, we got to summarize at some point. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, I kind of look at, I, I'm kind of looking like taking this back a little bit, uh, a little bit further is chicken egg situation here. Like yeah. what's driving which, right. uh, or are they kind of co-driving each other? I guess if that's possible. Yeah. Are they reinforcing each other? So is it technological increases uh, is like or increasing in technology or whatever sort of like ability to sort of hack productivity or be more productive or to edit it in terms of our personal productivity yeah is that being sort of technology is driving that or something like that or maybe i don't know could you flip that over and have like personal productivity or an obsession with it as driving like increases in technology but i feel like that personal productivity and technology have sort of like a intertwined destiny somehow. Right. Yeah. I, I I agree. I think they are very closely related and tied together. Um, mm -hmm. One other point that I wanted to just pick out before we wrap this up. Um, I thought there like this, pro this concept of productivity paranoia was kind of interesting. Like is remote work increasing this feeling like, no one sees what I'm doing, so I have to be very vocal and very out, like, and over overproduce so that people will uh, re recognize and see what I'm doing. Or, like, obviously there is the the flip side of that where I think some bosses are very uh, worried that you know people just aren't getting anything done in remote scenarios and like they're just they're, napping or something yeah exactly there's kind of two sides yeah. to that right uh yeah i don't know if i have any more than that just, just that i thought it was interesting as a as i a don't know pause. okay so i yeah i get that only because i sort of i understand this feeling i guess to sort of have this um 
yeah, to to be clear about the okay, it's like yeah, yeah, I'm doing the things, you know, I yeah. I, I got it all, I I can handle it, you know, um, because you feel like when you're at the office all the time, or somebody can see you, they watch you in a call, you know, or whatever, like it just ends up being fairly clear, like yeah. what you're productive at, or it looks like it. However, that shows that you're good at. I don't know, having meetings and having a task list, does that mean you're actually good at doing any work? Like that right. could be to those two could be totally different things. You could be very ineffective, but very busy right. um, at the actual job, right? Yeah. Um, but you could also be very effective potentially and not that busy maybe. I don't know. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Like there's a, a, one quote that I totally forget where it comes from. Um, is that like the sign of a good programmer specifically? And probably this tr translates to other um, fields as well. Is like that 80% of the time it seems like they're doing nothing, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just really need them for that 20%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, because like a, a big part of doing the job effectively is understanding the problem correctly, right? Yeah. And, um, just jumping in and writing a bunch of code is not productive at all because if you don't understand the problem correctly and don't, um, you know, understand how the solution or the whatever you're working on fits into the whole picture, you're not effective. And so a, a lot of that translates into looking completely unproductive and lazy, like you're just reading and like <laughs> mentally, yeah. mentally calculating how, how everything fits together. So, yeah. Yeah. But I think you can abstract that to different forms of jobs that aren't computer programming. Like I think you can take that into um, like, for example, somebody who does like strategy for an organization or like a leadership role Yeah. Uh, because that person's job is to understand the problem essentially. So what what are the before you can understand like how you're going to approach something and what the solve is going to be for it or whatever like what the offering is you really need to understand like what's in the environment how it all lines up like how what possible moves you could have i mean it's kind of uh you know you need to understand that before you can actually go and solve it so it's not just that's not something that you can just like it's not predetermined for you it's a new problem that no one's ever solved in that way before yeah um so sometimes that can appear like, again, that could appear like not sort of task heavy and right. that's okay, I think. So, you know, I, I think that that's probably a lot of jobs are like that. Um, but anyway, I think in that case, it's like, um, I mean, that, that was more of a conversation about what is productivity. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that needed to go first. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I feel like the one sort of downside with this conversation is I don't know what conclusions we've come to here. I don't know. Do you have any like summary points here? You know what? I I, I was thinking about that and like just thinking about how it ties into human v robot. And, you know, I think like some of these con conversations, I, I don't think we need a conclusion really, because I think in a sense, we've both come to some conclusions about it and just talking about it is the the value i think in in these kind of things because everyone has a different relationship to it right and like we we both have our perspectives on it but i don't think we're obviously we're not going to solve it for someone or tell them how they should be you know interacting with productivity and how how they should be feeling about it 
It's just Hmm. sharing our feelings about it is, to me, that is the conclusion or resolution. Like, I think that's enough. I don't know if you have, if you want to get more concrete than that, but. uh, Okay. Okay. I'm really, really, really (laughs) leaning to more concrete, Andy. The conclusion, the resolution (laughs) is talking about it. Solve the problem. (laughs) I'm trying to solve the problem. Okay. So talking about my own experience with this is, I think to me, making space for like this sort of like classical productivity of checking off the to-do list, having the meetings and stuff like that, making sure that isn't the entire job. So that's one thing. That's one thing I'm going to take away Yeah, is that that sometimes can feel like that is the entire job. But if you're just doing that, I don't think you're doing your job very effectively because you need to have that time where you're thinking deeply about problems you're making space for like a non-productive time. Right. And I guess even you can call that outside of work, you can make space for non-productive time. Have a hobby that doesn't turn into a side hustle. Spend time with your kids without any agenda whatsoever that you don't have to get anything done. Because sometimes I wake up on a Saturday morning, I'm like, what are we going to do today? It's one of the hardest things for me as a parent is trying to make, I'm making a to-do list. I'm I'm, like, we're going to go here and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And as soon as I have a plan, I'm like, okay. Thank goodness that's sort of <laughs> right, you know, but it's okay to not like to just let other people sort of lead whatever their interests are and to not feel like you have to plan everything. Right. I think, I don't know. I haven't had any, <laughs> I don't have that figured out for sure. Um, but like just the feeling like if you're not achieving, you do not exist in some way. So right. take that time away from it. Take that vacation time, do nothing. Yeah. And don't for a second feel bad for, about it because right. that is just living. That's my personal conclusion. Okay. No, I, I think that's a good conclusion. And I, I I think it's one that I wouldn't have proposed because I think in a sense, I'm maybe error too far on the other side of that where I'm just like, I just, <laughs> just, like, just want to live and be. I don't need to do it. You know, I, I don't need to. <laughs> uh, especially, yeah, during the like the off time with the kids. I, 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 I want to just exist sort of you know and, you're okay to be yeah, yeah. but I, I think there is probably uh middle ground somewhere there like that you um that's worth thinking about right like that like that is the stuff of life right the memories you make and like so and like getting things done is part of that right like um yeah so all right Let's wrap this up. I, I don't don't have okay. I, I can't put a button on it put a bow on it any better than that. So that's okay. great. That's perfect. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks for chatting, Heather. We'll talk okay. to you. Okay, we'll week. talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human V Robot wherever you find your podcasts.